invite you to take your scriptures and turn back to Matthew chapter 7, if you would, this morning. If you look online, you will find article after article about the different types of dads. I found an article that said the four types of dads. And then I found one that said the five types, then eight types, 12 types, 16 to 18 types of dads. I never knew that. Um, One of them used the military theme to kind of orchestrate them or put them together. There was the POW dad, the MIA dad, AWOL dad, the reserve dad, the active duty dad was the one you wanted to be. Then another list had always busy dad, the overly proud dad, the old-fashioned dad, the project manager dad, the party on dad. Hope you're not here for that one. Very stupid dad. Definitely don't want to be that one. I don't have a long list for you today. I just have, I went, I've narrowed it down to two types of dads, just really two. Dads that do and dads that don't. Before I explain that, I just want to tell you today, without trying to be theatrical or dramatic, that for dads today and for everyone, because it's really a message for everyone as well, it may be the most important message that you need to hear today. Um, Because this text tells us right off the bat, in verse 21, if you're in that passage again in Matthew 7, that this is about entering the kingdom. I mean, I can't think of anything more important to know whether as a dad or as anybody else for that matter, whether you will eventually enter the kingdom of God. But see, these, these di, the, uh, diametrically opposed antithetical opposites, these two types of dads, it's not uncommon to our text. In fact, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is filled with them. Two types of kingdoms, two types of praying, two types of fasting, two types of giving, two types of treasures, two types of trees, gates, roads, in our text. Two types of responses to Jesus' word. See, here's how he sets it up. The two types of dads are black and white. It's not that there's a middle ground, there's, there's no in-between There's no straddling the fence. We see you are either a dad who does or does not. And that's why it's a good message. It's simple. And everyone who's here today, whether you're a dad or not, should leave this place very confident in one way or the other, whether you are a doer or you don't do. See, how you respond to Jesus, and I'm not going to over-exaggerate. I believe this is true. How you respond to Jesus' word will determine everything about your life. Everything Because, listen, here is the reality. Every one of us here, we are living by someone's words. We are. Whether it's celebrities that we listen to, whether it's the theory of evolution that involves God, not at all, some sort of philosophy, secular humanism, or maybe just the words of our own self, our own wisdom that guide us through life. We're going to look today at these two paragraphs, and they're going to give us the answer to whether you are a dad that does or does not. And I want you to know up front, and it's important because I'm going to show you how or why. These two paragraphs, the first one, verses 21 through 23, and the second one, 24 to the end, these two paragraphs are connected by the very theme that we're looking at, and that is doing or not doing. Let me show it to you. Look at your text in the Bible. Verse 21 starts with this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, strongest contrast, which ones will enter the kingdom of heaven? But the ones who not save Jesus' name or acknowledge God, no, but the ones who, see, look at it, do the will of my Father. Doing is the difference. Do you see it? Verse 24. Doing, it says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Verse 22 I skipped over. I'm sorry, let me go back. And we cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works. Verse 24. The, hears these words of mine and does them. Verse 26, hears these words of mine and does not do them. See, they are connected. The two paragraphs are all about this. One says that there are people who say and do and say and do not do. The next paragraph says there are people who hear Jesus' words and do, but there are people who hear and don't do. They are parallel statements. In other words, the difference between dads today and everyone in this room, whether you're into the kingdom or not, is that do you hear what God says and do it or do you not? See? Because there will be people, Jesus says, on the day of judgment, and that's what that day is. On that day, he says, verse 22, Many, now see, that's a scary phrase. It's not just a couple people, it's not many. See, on the day of judgment, when we stand before God's judgment seat, here's what he says, it's going to be a shocker. It's going to be a surprise. Because he says there'll be many who say, Lord, Lord, let me get technical. In Greek, that's a double vocative. And that's the way that you said something, and you said that person's name and you did it twice for intensity. Martha, Martha. Remember when Jesus said that? Samuel, Samuel. Remember that? Moses, Moses at the burning bush. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, when someone uses the double, it's about as intense as you can say it. And here's what Jesus is saying about as intensely as he can say it. That on judgment day, saying that you know God is not enough. It's not enough. See, Lord is the divine name, Yahweh. You're saying God's name. And these are the people who will say on Judgment Day, but Lord, my whole life revolved around church. I came to church. In fact, look at the things that they do. See, this is not about not doing anything. See, he says, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? Didn't we do many mighty works? Let me 21st centurize that. Didn't I hold Bible studies and even teach them? Wasn't I involved in ministries and caring about people, casting out demons? Didn't I help people in their lives? God, didn't I do many mighty things? Wasn't I involved in all kinds of things for you? I went to church. I was doing these things. And the crazy thing is these people standing before God on that day are actually demanding and telling Jesus that you need to do this for me because look at my record. Look at my record who I am. See, both these paragraphs, they say the same thing. But the difference is whether you do or you do not. Let me clear up, though. We don't enter the kingdom by doing. If we've entered the kingdom, we will do. It's not the 
that we earn entrance by doing, we evidence entrance by doing. See, all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is contrasting two types of people, but what he's not doing, hear me, he's not contrasting good people and bad people. No, because the people he contrasts with, they're praying too. Two types of prayer. But in both, they're both praying. They're both fasting. They're both giving. See, the people in the text are people who are doing good things. They're casting out demons. They're prophesying. They're doing a lot of mighty works for God. It's not, Jesus is not contrasting good people and bad people. This is not a sermon about good dads and bad dads. It's not. What he's contrasting is religious people and righteous people. It's a contrast between doing religious things or doing righteous things. It's about whether all that you do, where does it come from? Where does it flow out of? Does it flow out of your connection to Jesus in response to his words? Or is it simply to impress others? So we might say this. Does your saying and your doing indicate that you have a connection with Jesus or not? Because on that day, he says, on that day, there'll be people who use his name. They will say that in his name, they did all of these wonderful things. And the scary part of the first paragraph is this. Jesus' response to them is this. You say that you have done everything you've done for me. But I say that you have done everything you've done for you. He is going to say to them, in fact, the Bible says in verse 23, I declare to you, it is a formal confession. Jesus is going to tell you what the Father thinks. Because the word confess means to say the same thing. He is openly and publicly on Judgment Day. He is going to say this, I never knew you. Now, listen, in the Bible, it's a play on Greek words, I should say. Because remember, it was the double vocative, Lord, Lord. He says, never Never, never. He's going to cancel, I should say, or counter the double this with his own double. No, never, ever. I never knew you. That's crazy, isn't it? Because they know his name. They say it twice, but here's what he says. But I don't know your name. I don't know you. Notice in the text, look at the verse. It does not say... I used to know you at one point, but now I don't. Or I knew you, but you know, I lost it. I, I don't know you anymore. No, he says, I never knew you. It's stunning. No wonder the last verse says, and they were astonished at his words. They're amazed. It blew them away that you could do all these things, all these religious things, and yet God says, I never knew you. But that's not all. He says, depart from me, workers of iniquity. How is it, Pastor Walker? How is it that people can come to church? How is it that dads could times do good things, say they know Christ, say they know God? How can there be no spiritual connection at all, ever? There never was. How is that possible? Here he tells us, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What is lawlessness? That sounds so extreme. That sounds so crazy. Lawlessness. Let me read the other verse in Matthew's gospel that talks about it so you get an idea of how it's possible that God never knows people like that. Matthew 23, 28 reads, Outwardly, 
you appear righteous to others. But within, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See what lawless is? Lawlessness is pretending to be one thing and doing another. It is akin to hypocrisy. How is it that people can do all these wonderful things, use God's name, think that they really know him, and in the end they do not? Here's how. Because what was on the outside was not what was on the inside. That's how. That outwardly they appeared to be this kind of dad, this kind of person, but inwardly the Bible says it wasn't that they were hypocritical here and there, It says the whole thing was a sham, full of hypocrisy, full of it, because they had a kind of religion that worked this way from the outside in. They thought that the more, see, they did things, they were doers, but they did things thinking that somehow if I did all these things on the outside, that somehow it would move its way on the inside and transform and change my life. But Jesus says that's not what I'm talking about. That's religion. Righteousness works from the inside out. That you have to have a change on the inside. And that change produces the doing in your life. So one author I read this week says, you have to lose your religion to actually find Jesus. And you do. We don't get to heaven. We don't get to enter the kingdom because we're Baptists or any other denomination for that matter. It's not about our religious affiliation. It's not about our long standing and not even about our membership in a church per se. Because here's what he says, you can have all of those things. You can say the right words, do the right things, and still be completely empty. It can only be a shell on the outside. Pastor Walker, why is that so important? Why does that matter? Jesus connects the two paragraphs. He does. And he wants you to know this, dads, and every person here today. You know why this matters so much? Because there is a storm coming. A storm coming. Have you watched the news lately? How many possible storms can there be in the last two weeks? I mean, I watched, I saw Texas. Texas had 10 tornadoes in two days. And that's only Texas. All over down south and other places, storms, floods, all kinds of crazy things going on. Cities. I, I looked on the internet, some city, it was, it was completely wiped out. I mean, there was nothing left. It was a small town, but it was all gone. It was completely destroyed. Constant set severe weather alerts. Did you know this last week, a few days ago, that there was a tornado in New Jersey? But it was only an EFO. I didn't even know that there was a zero category, but it was. There is the EF ratings. They're enhanced Fujita. I must be the guy who came up with them. EFO tornadoes are 65 to 85 miles an hour. EF1, 86 to 110. EF2, I think that was the size of the one that hit my house when I was a kid. 111 to 135. 3, EF3, 136 to 165 miles per hour. EF4, rare, 166 to 200 miles an hour. And then the rarest of all, EF5, which you never want to be a part of, 
over 200 mile per hour winds. I didn't know it till I looked this up, but you know they're all rated based on damage. That's what the ratings go. And there's ratings from 1 to 28. And every time you go closer to 28, the damaging winds can do worse destruction. It starts off with small barns and then goes to homes and trailers, small buildings. Then it goes to completely demolishing strip malls, completely large malls, larger multiple-story buildings. Then it goes to schools, hospitals, universities, and then also warehouses. It can get that strong. And it's all about the damage that the winds cause. And they actually have a term for it. They call it the damage path. You don't want to be in the damage path. There is light damage, moderate damage, considerable damage, severe damage, devastating damage, and lastly, the worst category is incredible damage. Listen to what describes the categories of this this devastating and incredible. Well-constructed houses are leveled as if they did not exist. Houses with weak foundations are blown completely apart. Weak foundations. See, Jesus is saying this. You know why, dads, you should really check your true spiritual condition? You know why people like us who sit in church week in and out, why you should look truly in what's going on in your heart? Because my words, he says, my words should be sounding in your heart and mind today like a siren going off. Because it's not just something that's okay or usual or normal. No, this is a state of emergency, Jesus says. Notice in verses 25 and 27, look at your Bible. It does not say, if the rains may come, if the winds may blow. It doesn't say, if the floods. See, verses 25 and 27, it says, and just like matter of fact, and, and the rains came, and the floods came. And the winds came. It wasn't like it may or may not happen. See, we have a warning system, and it may not happen. You get a a tornado watch, and then you get a tornado warning because it's more likely, but you really still don't know. No, this is not one of those. This is a tornado for certainty. So Jesus is saying, you know why I tell you such strong words about people who say, Lord, Lord, and they won't end the... You know why? Because a storm is coming, and I don't want you to be unprepared. I don't want you to stand on Judgment Day and the EF5 of God's judgment, eternal fire, see EF. See, I want you to be ready for that because the path of that damage is forever. It's eternal. So are you in dangerous path? Are you in damage, the damage path? Because Jesus says, if you are, I want you to respond. And you have two choices today because there are two types of dads. And you have to ask yourself, how will you respond? There are people who respond, Jesus says, look at the last paragraph. They respond wisely. And that wisdom is demonstrated by what they do in response to the word. And, but there are dads and others as well, who know the storm is coming and know what Jesus says about entering the kingdom and they respond foolishly. They don't prepare adequately and they think what they are, have done and continue to do will be enough. 
What's the difference, Pastor Walker, in those two approaches? What's the difference between a wise dad and a foolish dad, a wise person and a foolish person when it comes to entering the kingdom? Well, the contrast is there again. Verses 24 and 26, it says, One hears these words of mine and does them. But another one hears these words of mine and does not do them. Imagine this. You go all your life, your parents told you at the dinner table, you need to eat your vegetables. You need to. They're good for you. You can't eat junk and drink chocolate milk your whole life. You've got to eat your vegetables. So you grow up a little bit, and you go to a dietitian Because you don't believe your parents were, you know, right. So you go to the dietitian, they, they tell you, listen, you need to start eating your greens. You need to get some vegetables in your life. You need to change. And you, so, is that, oh, man, maybe they were right. So you go on the, on, online and you read articles, The Virtues of Veggies. Another article, Your Veggies, Your Victory. And you look at those articles and you start to laugh. Is it really true? And you hear those things and people are, hmm. But you never really eat any vegetables. Oh, you read about it, you hear about it, you've heard from all kinds of people about it. See, nothing never, ever changes. So you have a cavity, and you have more than that. You have a lot of cavities, and your teeth are getting worse all the time, and your dentist has told you repeatedly when you come to have your teeth cleaned, you need to floss. I won't raise your hand, I won't have you raise your hand because you may not be flossing. Shame on you, by the way. So he shows you charts on the wall. You're sitting in the chair. Here's the chart. If you floss, look how good it is. If you don't floss, this is what it looks like. And you go, that's disgusting. And so he tells you repeatedly, you need to floss. You are going to get gum disease. You're going to have problems. And he shows you the charts. He does all that. In fact, he even gives you mint-flavored floss. But you hear how all the things he says, you listen to him, but you never really floss. You see what Jesus is saying? Oh, see, you can come to church, you can sit in the pews, you can go to small groups, you can do all those things. See, people hear what I have to say, but that's all it ever amounts to. Just listening and hearing, but there's no doing. You know what that means? No doing means no change. There's never really been a change has taken place in your life. How can someone know what type of dad they are? How can they know what type of person they are, whether they're wise or foolish? Here it is. Very simple. Look at the text. It ba- it's all based on the foundation. See, that's the ha- that, on the foundation of the house. Dads, what is your life founded on? What is your family based on? What are you built? Every single one of us in here are building a foundation. It's not if we are. The only question is what kind is it? Is it one that will last for eternity? Is it one that will enter into the kingdom? It's not the doing that's the foundation. It's the words of Jesus. And the kind of house you build will be a reflection of the fact that you believe he's the rock, the foundation. See, and this is the scary thing. This is the part that really gets our attention. Because when you look at the two houses from the outside, at first, here's what you see. It's hard to tell the difference between the two. You look at them, you drive up into the driveway, you look at these houses, and they look identical. They look about the same. And in pre-storm conditions, 
Before the storm ever comes, they look the same. It's hard to tell the difference. You know, or I know now, there is a huge difference between these two houses, between these two lives. It's not easily visible. You can't just look at it. See, people come to church, and they look the same in church. They bring their Bibles. They talk Christianese. When communion is given, they take it. They both do. They look the same from the outside. You ever heard of this word, strange word, doppelganger? You ever heard of it? It's a look-alike. Someone said an evil twin. And when you look at someone who looks just like the other person, it's hard to tell the difference. If you go on the in, they, uh, online, they show you doppelgangers. They have celebrity. You look like this movie star. You look like this. You put the pictures side by side and you look at them and you look exactly like this. Some people have told me, you look like Brad Pitt, Pastor Walker. I know. <laughs> See, the difference, the difference is not on the outside. It's on the inside. In this case, maybe better the underside. It may look the same from the ground up, but it's not until you go underground you get below the surface the part that nobody else sees or knows about and then it becomes obvious there's a big difference see it's the foundation that determines the future let me say that again it's the foundation that determines the future that's determination it makes obvious whether you're wise or foolish because if you build your house on the sand or you build your house on the rock that'll be not, but you can't tell until the storm comes and some won't know until judgment day that's why there's so many jesus says see they both face the storm they both face the judgment but only one is prepared the other one has built their house on the sand foolishly instead of the rock see you are building your life on something maybe you think that the storm comes and on judgment day you will be good because comparing yourself to someone else you're not that bad maybe you think if you're religious and you do the good things or the all the things that people tell you to do. Maybe you are doing the best you can, Pastor Walker. That's what you'd argue with God. Can I tell you, it's all sand. All of it's sand. But the hymn writers knew different. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid, listen, for your faith in his excellent word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. See, it's your response to the word. The hymn writers knew it. Your faith is the foundation laid up in his excellent word. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our God, he whose word cannot be broken formed you for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what? What can shake your sure repose? In other words, nothing let the rains come. Let the winds come. Let them beat on the house, he says, because the foundation is on the rock. It's on Jesus. You can smile at all of your foes. Hell, sin, and death do not phase you 
Not because of all that you've done, but because of what he has done and how that has changed your life. That's the certainty. That's the surety. Sound, sand foundation, rock foundation. Hearing, not doing. Hearing, doing. That's the difference. How big a difference is it? What well, says in the first example, the first house, that the rains fell, but the house didn't fall. Same word. The second one says this, the rains fell and the house fell. And listen, an added phrase, and great was the fall of it. Mega, huge disaster. Remember what I told you at the beginning? Your response to Jesus' words will change or determine everything. The entire house, the life, everything that person knew, everything was destroyed. At the end of Matthew's gospel, we get more and more information about Judas Iscariot than any time previous. I call him a disciple doppelganger. You know why? Because he looked like all the other disciples in the twelve. When they had the Passover feast and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, they're all saying this, is it I? Is it I? That no one said, oh, finally, thank you for unmasking Judas. It's obvious. It wasn't obvious. No one would have chosen. They didn't know. Only Jesus knew it was him. They all were thinking like, woo, it's me. Maybe we should do that this morning, huh? See, you know why? Because he, he lived with and traveled with Jesus for three years. He was sent out by Jesus to do all kinds of things, including, Matthew's gospel said, casting out demons. Judas did it, literally. It's funny, he cast out demons, but he ended up having the demon, Satan himself, inside of him. Now see, he did all the things that all the other ones did. He heard Jesus' sermon on the mount that we're preaching. He was there and heard it. And he heard all of others, Jesus' parables and teachings, all of his other sermons. He heard all. And it would be, you know what? Because in pre, pre-storm conditions, Judas looked like all the other ones. But it wasn't until the storm came that we find out who he really is. Oh, see, Jesus started talking about the middle of the Gospel of Matthew about going to Jerusalem and dying on the cross and for Judas, the rain started. The rain started coming down. He went to Jerusalem and said he was the king, but he rode in on a donkey instead of a stallion to prove what kind of king he was. See? The floods came in Judas' life. The rain picked up. The floods were coming. More dissatisfaction with who Jesus is and what he has done or is going to do. Jesus did not stop Mary, sister of Martha and Lazarus, from wasting money by pouring out the spikenard on Jesus. It was worth a fortune. And of course, we find out now that that was important to Judas because he was taking money from the financial bag in which everyone was helped by and supported by. Money that he could have had. See, the rains had started, the floods had came, now the wind was blowing and started to beat his house. And when the religious leaders offered him 20 pieces of silver in a bag to betray Jesus, it really started to win. The wind started to blow. And when they put that bag of money in his hand, it was over. 
Great was the fall. His house fell in that moment. Great was the fall of it because he went out, took a rope, and hung himself. He hung himself. The Bible says, Jesus, his words, it would be better if he had never been born. How did it come to that? How did it happen? The Bible says, Judas in the judgment day will have his own place his own place. But you would never have known that. He was one of the 12. He was close to Jesus. He heard all those things. But he did not really do them. They weren't from a connection. Jesus will say to him, Judas, on that day, I never knew you. Are you you spent three years together. I never knew you. But I did this. It's all sand all of it see the storm's coming it's already started to rain how will you respond to jesus's words when he tells you you need to repent drop your religiosity stop trying to do and work your way to heaven you need to depend on my grace you need to look to the cross that judas would not you need to realize that it's my death and resurrection and payment for your sins that is your only hope Stop doing to enter the kingdom. But start doing because you have entered the kingdom by the grace of God. By the forgiveness of sins that only comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, they were amazed, astonished at his words. If you can hear his words this morning and it doesn't move you, it isn't amazing to you, it doesn't astonish you. See, maybe you really never heard them. See, there are two types of dads. Dads that do and dads that don't. There are two types of people here at Faith Baptist Church on Father's Day. People that do and don't. Which one are you? Let's pray. The old hymn writer penned these words with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Cast your deadly doing down down at jesus feet stand in him and him alone gloriously complete and we need to be doers not to enter the kingdom but because we have by the wonderful grace of jesus i'll see maybe you're here this morning and this is your first time but perhaps you've been here and you've been here a long time a long time i remember ed Koenig. 20 years he heard, but he never really truly believed. It never truly changed him. I remember the day he came forward and said, now I get it. It's not me, it's all him. See, that's what Jesus is saying. It's not that your life is centered around church, it's your life should be centered around him. Is that you? This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would there be someone here this morning say, Pastor Walker, oh, I've got the religious part down, but it doesn't come from a connection by faith in Jesus because I've responded to his words about his death and resurrection and payment for my sin. That's not what it is. Pastor Walker, I'm one thing on the outside, and it's, it's quite a different story on the inside. Please pray for me. 
that I would really come to know Jesus and he would know me. Would you slip your hand up and I'll pray for you. Anyone? I'll be late this morning. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? See, maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you have to say this, Pastor Walker, listen, I know I'm a child of God. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. But I have to say, even though that's true of me, there is this gap between my saying and my doing, my hearing and my doing. Now, we all have a gap. So everyone could raise their hand on that. But you know specifically what I'm talking about in your personal life. And it's perhaps more widespread. And you realize that this morning. Say, Pastor Walker, I, I know Christ. And I know he knows me. But I want my saying and my doing, my hearing and my doing, I need to have that more like Christ. I need to respond better yet as a believer to what he says about this area or that area of my life. Please pray for me. Would you do that? Slip your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. And thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. And balcony. Anyone else? Oh, Father, thank you for the word. Help us as we respond to it, even this morning now, if anyone, anyone does not have assurance that they will enter the kingdom, that today they will find it. For others, Father, as Christians who raise their hand, indicating that they need to lessen the gap by your grace. May you continue as you worked in them to justify them. May you sanctify them all by grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.